When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yo! Welcome in to the podcast inside of a podcast. It's the House of L podcast, like, overall, but Maggie Hendricks and I get together and we talk about Star Trek sometimes, like this time, where we're talking about Star Trek. I'm Lawrence. Thank you so much for checking out the podcast, the Reaction to the first episode that Maggie and I did was incredible. So we decided that we were going to keep it going. And truth be told, we were going to do it whether you liked it or not. Because we like it. We figured, since we're just texting each other about Star Trek anyway, that we would talk to you about Star Trek. So we, after a little bit, I left, I actually edited it out. I should have left it in now that I think about it, but... We were sitting there talking as I kind of turned everything on and got connected. We were talking about what this episode was going to be. And we knew that we wanted to talk about sex on Star Trek. And we know that we're going to miss some parts of it. Like thinking back after we had finished recording it, that we didn't even talk about the Kirk O'Hara kiss, which was one of the most important moments in television and civil rights history. As weird as that sounds, it's true. And Nichelle Nichols showing you a six-pack back in the day. I saw a tweet of her recently where she's got the picture of her, like like now-ish, with the picture of Ahura rocking the the midriff and the six-packs. It was fun. It's a fun thing to see. Everyone should feel sexy as long as they can feel sexy. What does Joe Madden always say? Dig me. If it's a dig me outfit, it's a dig me outfit. So anyway, we knew that we wanted to talk about this because it's one of the, the, the topics that comes up a lot when Maggie and I are tweeting or texting each other about Star Trek. It's the type of sex. You know what else we forgot? Damn it. I almost feel like I should call Maggie back. We forgot to talk about Ferengi sex. We forgot to talk about Umox. And I, I, I'm, not, I'm not certain about it. Is it just a herogenous zone or is it the sex organ itself? Anyway, we'll have to explore that in later episodes of the podcast. Like, I think that this would be a great opportunity for you to send us questions at houseoflpodcast at gmail.com so that we can then comment on these things in the next episode. Like, hey guys, saw that you totally forgot about Ferengi sex with the earlobes. Would you like to discuss that? Thanks, I'm blah, blah, blah from blah, blah, blah. So if you could just go ahead and just, so that I remember it, just send me that email now. Right now, just Ferengi, like topic, 
Ferengi sex. House of L podcast at gmail.com. Because I think that it deserves a thorough examination of what's going on when, when Ferengi have sex. Anyway, we wanted to talk about this because there's so many different examples of different sex lives and relationships and how those relationships are impacted by sex. So we thought we'd do that. I think you'll enjoy the conversation because it spans over a bunch of different. We didn't talk about sex on Star Trek Enterprise, but we did talk about sex on TNG, DS9. And now that I'm almost caught up on Discovery, I think the next episode, I want to spend a lot of time talking with Maggie about Discovery because I I thought that it went a little off the rails, but I'm enjoying it in a way that I don't think I've ever enjoyed a Star Trek series. Anyway, that's for a later episode. This episode is about Trek sex. That's what we're talking about today. And we wanted to start... You'll get thrust, no pun intended, into the middle of a conversation where Maggie and I are talking about the the lives and the loves of one Jean-Luc Picard. I'm in a cycle right now of watching earlier episodes of TNG, and it seemed like they were stuck in making him kind of a kind of a dick. Like he was kind right. of a hard ass at the beginning. You know, it, it, that's where it's, it's so interesting because, like, later on, he's like, yeah, I don't know where this whole I don't like children thing comes from. Well, it kind of came from you yeah, in the first couple of episodes. Wesley. Right. And and Wesley, like, shut up, Wesley. Um, and Wesley hitting him with a snowball and, and all sorts of other stuff. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, let's save some of it for the show, but, like, for when we're recording. Oh, we're but, recording. Like, Oh, we're recording. Oh, we're going. Oh, we are. We are. We're doing recording. this. All right. So, one of the things that I hate so much about his relationship with Wesley, like it gets me so angry every time I watch it, is when he and Wesley are on that shuttle because Picard needs heart surgery and Wesley is going to do a test for the academy. By the way, I still don't understand how you get in the academy. Watched the show for years. There's tests. There's I don't even know. It's more confusing than trying to get into a magnet school on CPS. It, it, it's so confusing because with Wesley in particular, he had been field promoted. So right. there was really no reason for him to go to Starfleet Academy. Right. Or like, okay, so he, he does, maybe even like, okay, so now for him to be a commissioned officer, he has to go to Starfleet. Okay. But you tell me he didn't get in immediately after he had been working on the flagship? Like, no. But when he's on that, when he's in that shuttle, Wesley brings up to him about like, I, you know, you, you, I don't think you like children or I don't think something like that. And then he says, with all of the guilt of a mother, it's a shame you would have made a good father. What the hell is that about? He's like a 15 year old. Like every time I see that line, and maybe it's because I've heard that old that same guilty line from people I'm related to. But, <laughs> but every time I'm like, Wesley, shut up. Shut, shut up, up Wesley. Wesley. You shut it up. I oh man, I hate I hate that thing of it. And like 
there are things about the relationship that could be both ripped. Like that could have been a much better, much better drawn relationship, him and Wesley, because there is, there is history there. And there's a, you know, they get into it later that Wesley has like questions about his father and wants to know more. But I mean, Picard was there when his dad died. That, that could have been a really rich thing to mine. And instead it's, it's, turned into a very weird, weird relationship. You're so right on. It, it's it's like they would always play around the edges of it. They play around the edges of, well, you know, Picard was the guy that pretty much killed Jack Crusher. And he's got, it was the same thing with him and Beverly, where it was like, y'all probably shouldn't be messing with each other because of the history of it. But it needs to be acknowledged, and there was just kind of this skirting around of the issue of does does Wesley see Picard as a father-like figure? Because I always it seemed like initially what they were trying to do is that Riker was supposed to kind of be the the big brother slash father-like figure for Wesley, right? And then, but like. There just was never, they never explored any of that enough because it seemed like everything was about, let's make Wesley the smartest kid in the world. Well, I mean, you already know that. Is it, like, I get, I get annoyed when people are just like dismiss Wesley or even dismiss poor Will Wheaton because of it. Is I think they just, they had such an opportunity with that character. And to have, an, quite frankly, when you watch Will Wheaton in, say, uh, not say anything, um, Stand by me. Oh my gosh, I don't know why that left my head. But when you see him in Stand by Me, you know you're dealing with a talented actor. So if you're going to have that, then do something with it. And and that never that never felt like it came through with the writers. I didn't realize that things were so bad for Will Wheaton. I heard I've seen him talk about it, but I didn't I didn't realize that he was so hated by Star Trek fans. And they were very vocal in their yes. hatred of, of one Will Wheaton. And it was undeserved. Yeah, I, I don't think it was his. It wasn't his fault. The only thing that makes me happy is that the timing of when he of like when he was actually on, you know, on TV. And when he was also at an age when he was most vulnerable was not the time of social media, because if that was all happening right now and there was a character right, like Wesley right now, that poor child, that poor child, you know, I, I would feel so bad for them. So I think like Will Wheaton came out the other side. I mean, I, I don't want to say unscathed because I'll let the man talk for himself. But I think if he was, if it was a later situation, then it, it would have been a very bad situation of a child star. Can I just say that they also got incredibly wrong um, remember when, when Q offers to make him an adult, <laughs> it's like, it's not even close. It's not, not even, even close. close to who he ended up growing up being. And that's, that's neither negative or positive. It's just like when you see the episode now and you can see a grown up Will Wheaton, they're like, did they put any thought into projecting out what Will Wheaton would look like at 35? I mean, or was there some guy? Was there some guy sitting in central casting eating his lunch that they're like, "Uh, you're a dude. Come on." Hey, you're handsome. Not. 
Get over yeah, here. You're sort of handsome. You're not black or Latino. Come on. Come, <laughs> come do this. <laughs> oh, you're right. That would have been the move. Guess what you grow up to be, Wesley? <laughs> a, a good-looking black man. Thanks, Q. I Thanks, appreciate Q. that. This is always what I dreamed of. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, but everybody's going, going to make sure we're banned from every casting ever. Oh, my God. That's so good. All right. So, wait. Let's get back to Picard. Picard. Why is it that, that they couldn't quite get him, in your opinion, a girlfriend that would stick around? Well, I think they wanted to give him a love interest, right? Like, they wanted... But I also don't think, like, when you look at the women that are written for the next generation, not not some of the other shows, but for the next generation, I don't know if they were capable of writing for long term a woman who would truly challenge him. Because the women who challenged him were the ones who weren't afraid to, like, to give him crap right back. Like Vosh and um, Commander, what was it? Commander Darren. Darren, Commander Darren. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so wait. So, there's there's an inequity here that we do need to talk about, and you are uh, uniquely qualified for it. What is it? How do you feel as a redhead that there are so many redheaded women in Star Trek lore? Well, I think that's what the world should be. We need more redheads. <laughs> so, I look at it as Gene Roddenberry. You know, he was looking for a utopian world. He was trying to create a perfect place, and a perfect place would have more redheads. So, that is an yeah. excellent answer. That is actually an excellent answer. So, so are you team Vosh? Are you team Darren? Are you team Crusher? You know, I'm kind of team Crusher, even though like there's a lot of weirdness around it. They also have a, a very strong shared history. They understand each other. And, and, you know, Beth's hot, go for it. But I, I think that someone who understand who is, first of all, she is, she is at a level on the um, enterprise that she can tell him, she can order him around. She can tell him what to do. You know, there's, there's, first of all, that weird, that any sort of relationship in a military, structure, yeah. you know, that that's a power differential and they, they get to that a little bit in the episode lessons, but I, I don't know if they do it enough because she, he is her commanding officer, even though Riker is the one dealing with her day to day, he can order her to her death. He can, you know, all of these things that a, a commanding officer has to do, he has to, that's why he usually keeps some separation. I do. I of course love that immediately, immediately when they realize this problem, it's like, well, she better transfer because God knows, God knows a man can't make the change in his career. It's got to be her. Well, and, and she says to him, she's like, you know, you could just come with me. Yeah. You know, I think one of the things that we see of Picard, both on The Next Generation in the movies and everything, is how he gets, when I mean, he gets in a situation that he knows he can do well and succeed in, it's hard for him to break out of that. And so like when the archeologist, when his archeology span professor comes to him and says, okay, this is, this is the mission. You wanna come and do this with me. And he wants to, he really wants to. 
but Star Trek is his, or Starfleet is his home. And then we see that again at, uh, in the episode after the uh, Best of Both Worlds, that we see him do the same thing that like, oh, this is a really interesting thing, but Starfleet is my home, you know? It's one of the things that I enjoyed about Picard, the series, is that it turns all of that on its head. And you get to see, like, to me, it was the equivalent of, like, when you when you watch the, the movie The Matrix, and you're like, man, Morpheus is the baddest man ever. And then you're like, oh, Morpheus has a boss? <laughs> like, right? what? Like, how that does is, Morpheus that have a, a boss? That is a really cool thing. With, when you start watching Picard, as you see, I mean, you saw a little bit of the hierarchy in the other shows. Like, you saw, um, you know, there was the different admirals and things who came in. But that bosses that he was struggling with, bosses, because all the other bosses are like, here, Jean-Luc, you need to go do this awesome thing because you're awesome. But that he's struggling with Starfleet policies, that he's struggling with his bosses. That's, that to me is, is you're right. It's some of the, the most fun things that you see on Picard because you also realize like what a, a challenge that's got to be for Patrick Stewart to, to take this very different side we only see the the captain as the hero you know and so patrick stewart has to be like no sometimes he gets told no in meetings and that's how it has to be right you get to deconstruct this the myth by making him the rebel and yeah. and a little bit of the outlaw and i thought and and they think that he's crazy like right. th- that that episode where he's being interviewed by the 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 reporter and she's just ripping him like she is really giving him the business you're like oh snap so like the people of the federation are seeing uh a a a decorated admiral look like a clown uh in a television interview and it it deconstructs the the hero myth of jean-luc picard and the only time we had previously seen anything touched at that was on Deep Space Nine, was at the beginning of Deep Space Nine, when we see Cisco say, no, nah, you killed my wife. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not playing with you. I'm not, hey, we're, no, we're not friends, man. You killed my wife. Like, I understand, but you killed my wife. And, but that was a private meeting. And Cisco still was, he was still, you know, understood ranks. And understood the hierarchy of. There was only how so far he could go. Right, he wasn't. He wasn't going to push it to the point that that reporter was. That the reporter said, you know, what what went wrong in all these things? We need to talk about it. And that was that. That was one of the interesting things to watch, and actually brings me around to the ladies of his life. It is always the ones who challenge him that he found more interesting like women who are just cute like okay he didn't you know it didn't seem to be anywhere enough now Riker that was fine for him but it was the ones it was the ones who who really challenged him that turned his hat I was having a discussion with a friend of of mine who is a huge Star Trek fan and I was talking about Will Riker's space whore um and I mean it's from the jump of the series like just whatever, wherever, whomever. Like the the episode of Angel One, 
Like oh, he's yeah. like, oh, totally. I'm down for totally being subservient. Give me that. He was, he was supposed to be on a diplomat diplomatic meeting, and it's like, oh, but now we're naked. Like, of course. Like, yeah, Riker. It just. But I, what I appreciate about Riker is there's no there's no pretense. That's just that's he's. Riker space whore and that's that's the way it is. He is out there swashbuckling. Um, I am Team Darren, and the reason that I'm Team Darren is I thought that th- that that character s- showed a humanity in him that even with Vosh you didn't quite get. Like you could tell that Vosh was the fun girlfriend. Yeah. Like oh, uh, she's kind of dangerous and. And I I enjoy being around her, but we always knew that he was never going to be with her. Like, I felt like there was a chance for him to be with Commander Darren. And she's got him climbing Jeffrey's tubes to find the the, the perfect spot to play their music. And when he shared the the music from the planet, like, I was like, yo, this is the one right here. Like, this is it. Like, he's found his match and everything's going to be cool. But then... He's like, I might have to kill you. Like, not personally, just I might have to send you on a mission that kills you and we can't be together. And I thought that that was great, though, when they were, when him and Riker are discussing, like, I know that's your girlfriend. Right. Am I, what am I supposed to do when your girlfriend asks me for something? Yeah. I mean, and and I think I thought Riker handled it well, handled the situation well to say, like, okay, this is weird, and I, I need to talk to you about it. Their relationship, Riker and Picard's, I, that, I love that they were in a situation that literally Riker could go to his boss and be like, I am uncomfortable with something. We need to talk about it. Like, every, that is a dream for every working situation ever. You want to be able to go to your boss and say, this is not right, and we need to discuss it, and I need some direction on how to do it, you know? And so I, I like that. I, I think the other thing that we get to see because of Darren is him freaking out about the potential loss of somebody because early on in the show, and this is also true from the original series, there is a very set way of how you're supposed to grieve people you've lost on Star Trek. There is like, you're, you're in the moment, you have to forget about it. And then after, when it's time to grieve, you do your grieving, you see... You see the projection of Tasha Yar for like, you know, two minutes and then it's over. You, But when you, with Darren and you see him freaking out in his, when he's in his quarters and like, like being nervous and hanging around the, uh, you know, where they're beaming back from, like you get to see, I think you're right about that. You get to see that humanity from him that you don't necessarily see with a lot of the other situations. I also enjoy, and I don't know if this was a choice by the directors or by Patrick Stewart, that as the series went on, he was more than willing to show you his body. Yes, I I do appreciate, I appreciated that too, especially once they got rid of the awful uniforms that were just like, a unitard? Yeah, the bodysuit, awful ones. And then, and then they had like, sometimes he would wear like the jacket one, so yeah, I, I appreciate that Patrick Stewart, for, I mean, he was a stage guy. He was very much a stage guy. So I wonder if earlier on in his career, like early on when he was on, on Star Trek, if it was just that, that 
getting comfortable with your body being on on screen instead of on stage. Yeah, I, I dig that. that it became there's a lot of chest hair going on with Sir Patrick Stewart as we get to the end of the series. He's like, hey, check this out. A lot of short shorts. Yeah, on we a see Sir a lot Patrick's. of his legs. Yes. We see a lot of Patrick Stewart's legs, you know, and not even just because there are four lights, but like in the other other episodes too, we get to see, we get to see that, those British legs. How do we feel about Mrs. Troy? And is, is does what, because we're going to get into Creepy Jordy. Yeah. Is Mrs. Troy also creepy? You know, what I appreciate about Mrs. Troy is she doesn't hide anything. Homegirl's telling you. She wants it. She absolutely wants it. I mean, and she doesn't have to tell you. She's she's an empath. She has other ways of communicating, but still, she's going to tell you. So I think, you know, what I think. So, so like, are we, are we going to count her as one of Picard's love interests? Or no. because it's one way, it doesn't count. I think because it's one way, it doesn't count. Um, this, you know, I think we talked about this last time about with Worf, that DS9 gave him a more rounded out character. And funny enough, the same thing happened with Luxana Troy because she became, she became a much more like real person when you see her, when you see her take off her wig with Odo. She becomes like this, it, it, it kind of gets rid of the artifice and it gets rid of all of the, the things that she uses to make herself feel pretty and beautiful and desirable and young. And a lot of that gets stripped down, you see, in, in Deep Space Nine, but it makes you understand the next generation, Luxana, a lot better when you realize like, oh, there's, there's insecurity there and there's a lot of pain over losing a daughter that she never talked about. Like, that stuff's pretty real. That stuff's pretty painful. And so when you, like, when you get to kind of break, go down into the layers, like, I love Mrs. Troy, but in those, those early episodes, she's just a trip. She's just as hilarious and fun. And, and I, I like, like the one where they try to marry off Deanna, even though I find it so awful, I also find it hilarious. When I, I think of, you're so right about her on DS9 versus on TNG. And I feel like Odo should have been with her like more, more than Kira and, and more than that damn changeling. Like I, the way that she used what I, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about it in these terms. I felt like she used sex at connecting with the great link through her. I felt like that she, she used that to manipulate him. Oh, she absolutely did. And I mean, and it wasn't even just, the connecting through the link, it was also, they had actual human sex because she said, oh, that's how humans, uh, how humans do intimacy or something like that. And, and so she absolutely used that to, to manipulate Odo and hold on to him. And, and I'll tell you, Mrs. Troy never would have done that. Maybe she would have. She probably was pretty talented. Let's be honest. I'm, I mean, I mean, that, that's the kind of intriguing part that, that you'd have to kind of be like, I, I'll try it. Like, you know, if, if you're, if you're, if you're a man of a certain age, you're like, you know what? I'm, I'm interested. I'm interested to see where this whole thing goes. I mean, she is the, the daughter of the, the, the sacred chalice, chalice of the Reeks holy, or whatever. something yeah. or other, whatever. She's 
whatever. I'd, I'd try it. I'm just you saying. Know, get Gene Roddenberry kicking you, kicking the crap out of you, though. Yeah, you would. Yeah. That's his lady. You absolutely would. A uh, quick aside, because you were talking about their uniforms and the jacket. I really like now that I'm almost done, I'm almost caught up with Discovery. The way that they popped color on the Enterprise's uniforms. It's amazing. It looks They're, so much better. I mean, in general, the costume design of Discovery just blows my mind. It's so, so good. I mean, we could we could do a whole show about this, about just the, the costumes. But, like, that one was, it was so, it's so good, first of all, when they go to the mirror universe and, like, how stark. And it goes from black and gold to, from navy and gold on regular and we're on the regular Star Trek and then when they go to the mirror universe it's black and gold so it's like just a little different but very different and for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's Granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call Clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The makeup is very fierce and yeah, harsh. And very, yeah, and oh, I know. But like they do, it's a great thing on the Enterprise and the way number one stands out and all that. And, you know, I mean, all, all of it. It's just, it's pretty great. I always I wonder. I need to do a rewatch of Discovery. I always wonder when you have people who guest star, like, are they like, I don't know why, but I don't, I would have never imagined like Rebecca Romaine is number one. And I'm like, I wonder if she was a fan and I could probably read up on this, but I always wonder when you're offered something like this, do you do it because it's a gig or do you do it because it's freaking Star Trek and the idea of being on Star Trek is awesome. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I think that was when they did The Next Generation. I've read some things about that and that the actors that were doing it were like, there was a little bit of both. There was some that it was like, oh, my God, it's Star Trek. But there were some that were like, well, I'll try it. And we'll see how it goes because they didn't know. But I think at this point, when it's such an established, you know, franchise that I think I, I would think any actor would be like at least two at least to be a guest star? Hell yeah. I mean, James Worthy did it. That's still my very favorite, my favorite cameo of all time. I, I was just watching an episode where Terry Hatcher was on, and I forgot that Terry Hatcher was... She oh, was, yeah. She was the the lieutenant who, who fell for the swashbuckling space pirate. Right. My very favorite of those, though, that you see, is when you see Sandra. Sandra from the Cosby's. Oh, yeah. She was on a couple of episodes. Right. but I, And I'm sure her character has a name, and I'm sure that actress has a name. Oh, uh, she's, her, she's Sandra. Her name is uh, uh, LeBeau. Her, Sabrina LeBeau. Oh, impressive. Thank you. Because I always wondered, was she, was she uh, related to um, Shia? But, you know. But do you know that she was only 10 years younger than Felicia Rashad? I'm not surprised by that. You know, they had to make Mrs. Cosby very look very young. It didn't matter that what the old piece of crap was looking like. Yeah, that's true. She had 
Alicia Rashad had to be young and, and attractive and also can tell you off in Spanish. That's my favorite thing of Mrs. Huxtable. When she, she tells people off in Spanish. I, I enjoyed that too. Or pretty much any time that she told people off because basically that was what I was living with growing up. So, <laughs> you know, like, so my mom is very much Claire Huxtable. So it's, <laughs> it's hilarious to me to see episodes, especially the wretched. Cause I have been there. I have been in that moment where someone has to hold her back or else you're going to get struck. Uh, <laughs> so um, I would say Ashley Judd. And I never under like, were they trying to make her a regular? That's what I, I couldn't figure out because it felt like she was going to be on the cast. Right. Were they trying to make her a regular? Were they trying to make a relationship between her and Wesley? Like, it, it was all very, like, none of it was clear. And so, I mean, I understand. I don't know if she was just like, okay, I'm done with this or what. But I, or also put, or put her on Deep Space Nine or Voyager. So, like, it's weird to me that they never, they never did anything more with her. Because she was Ashley freaking Judd. <laughs> Lieutenant Leffler, right? Lieutenant Robin Leffler on uh, TNG. All right, we, we've held off long enough. And don't worry, there'll be plenty of other like sex parts of Star Trek because we haven't even we haven't even touched the sexual tension on Discovery. Yet. Oh gosh, no, it's fun. Yeah, it is fun. Let's talk about creepy Jordy. Um <sighs> Before, wait, I want to preface this conversation and make it very clear that we are talking about the character of Jordy LaForge <laughs> and not LeVar Burton. Who's because look he's just the best. He's the best. I would give him my kidney. I love LeVar Burton. If he needed a kidney and it was mine, yes, I would say the world needs LeVar Burton. So, yes, he could have my kidney. Do you know that there's, you know? there's a whole television show about that now, right? Oh, no. What? There's literally a TV show on CBS as we speak that's about two people that used to be friends and one of them has needs a kidney and the other one gives it to him and i said to herbie one day i was like so is this like a one episode show like what happens after that i i don't know because i haven't tuned in but it just it's that being the premise of the show i'm like so so after she says yes i'll give you a kidney that's the end right like that's roll credits and all that good stuff but yes, we we are not trying to bag on. We're not saying that LeVar Burton was on set doing inappropriate things. Nope. We're just saying that he was written in a way that was um, a little creepy. Now, yes. and, and I get that the, the, the whole idea was he's an engineer. He's a little uncomfortable in expressing himself. Right. Not great with the ladies. Not not great with the ladies. He should have listened to Worf uh, on, on on dealing with the ladies. But there were multiple times where you're going, is this this is the way that they think they could get him a girlfriend? Like it's... right. I mean, th- so the number one star plus plus situation that drives me the most nuts, and I won't watch the episode anymore. I, it, it gets deleted off the DVR is the one where he turns Leah Abrams, the engineer behind the- No, Brahms, the, Brahms. Oh, Leah Brahms, that's it, Leah Brahms. The engineer behind the warp core 
of of Enterprise, and he turns her into a hollow character that he like flirts with, and then when she finds out, he like tries to make it her fault, and like and like and then she's like, oh, I forgive you, and then the very worst part of this is when on the All Good Things episodes, the the series finales, we find out, we see Jordy in the future, and we hear Picard say, well, my cooking might not be up to Leah's standards. Oh, so, oh, so he married the girl that he was being creepy to? Well, first of all, she had to divorce her husband. Right? She was married already, and so now Jordy is a creepy-ass homebreaker? <laughs> Come on. Well, you know what? Like leading into that, what I didn't understand was why did they make it so that him and Christy was the one that was chasing him? So and also Christy and Leah kind of look alike. Yeah, but but that actress is like way smaller. Um, right, that's but, true. But the idea that she was chasing him, and then like two episodes into that arc, it's like oh, I like you. And, and right. it, it didn't make any sense at all. No, there was there was so much, and I yeah, I definitely think they were just trying to to draw him as the nerd who doesn't know how to talk to women. Now, the number one way they could have dealt with that is by, I don't know, putting more women in engineering actually in important roles. Because like, there's the one episode where Barkley, um, it's it's one of the I think one of the Barkley holodeck episodes. But they're trying. They're all in this meeting, and they're all trying to figure out what's wrong. And it's all white dudes and Android and Jordy. That's that's the only people who can figure out engineering problems. And so, like, th- that was my my first thought was like, that is a lot of dudes. Are we, is, is that every engineering department? And if we're saying that, what are we saying to the girls out there that want to be engineers? Well, that's something on Discovery that they've gotten right. Like, yes. You got everyone, everyone you need down in engineering now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that engineering actually seems like a party. Yeah. W- w- remind me that there has to be a whole episode on Tig Notaro because okay. I love her. Like, I just think that she's wonderful. And, like, adding her to that cast, it brought – she has, to me, the same level of I – mean, obviously, she's a comic, but – her comedic timing inside of the script is like DeForest Kelly's to me in the original yeah. Star Trek, where yeah. you need someone with dissent who's looking at all of this like, y'all are crazy. Like, yeah. what are we doing? Like, this isn't the way to do these things. So I want to do a whole episode on 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 Tig and, and Discovery because I, I love her snark. Like, it's yeah. just... Really, really wonderful. But yeah, I it's so weird to see like I, I you're right. Like they were trying to give you, well, he's awkward. Like that I think that's what they were going for. But in his awkwardness, it it kind of manifested itself as he kinda creepy. And right. and the when you're touching these engines, you're touching me is just like yeah. oh, oh. I just I know that there were at times women working in the in the writers room at Star Trek at the Next Generation but I just I wonder how much 
freedom they had to speak up, that there wasn't a woman that was like, excuse me, excuse me, this is weird. And if a guy talked to me like this, I would find it weird. Like, I, I just, I wonder if, the, if there were women empowered to say that, because when I read, when I listen to that dialogue, I'm like, oh, no, no, it, no. It, it's almost like, like, how did, how did the, the holo, the holodeck, like, create that version of her? Because with the limited biography that they had, I'm not sure how you get to there with her yeah i think a lot of times with the holodeck there's a whole lot of just like oh okay it's the holodeck that we have to do that but there are also times when it's like like all right guys this is too far this is too far like i i am all i will you know suspend all the disbelief in the world and believe but like yeah how how am i supposed to believe like do they have to like go through all of her do they have to go through all of her uh, you know, diaries and things like that in journals to find out more yeah, about her personality. Yeah, but it just felt like there. That's not it. Like that. That that seems like a, a an anomalous thing that's happening. Where like yeah. she would that she would be flattered by that. Like right. that that might be something you tell your boo. Like that you once you've been together for. You know what I mean? But right. It, it seems like such a I I enjoyed how horrified the actual Leah Brahms was when right. she saw the program because we were all feeling it like this is creepy. Well, I I appreciated that too, but I also was bugged by how by the end of the episode it was like oh but they've forgiven each other it's fine like no that was like a huge invasion of privacy. That's creepy. It's quite the violation. Um, since we are talking about all the sex on Star Trek, or as, as much as we can in this episode, can we talk about Jadzia and Worf and the the openness of their um, very physical sexual relationship that they had? I mean, and there was there was no problem with with I mean Cisco being like, "Don't break a bone." Don't like, kill each other. Like for real, for real, don't end up with like, broken bones because of your crazy sex that the two of you are having. Right. Which we know about because the very first time they got together, they ended up in the damn they ended up in the infirmary with Julian. And even Julian's like, nah, you know, I don't need to it's we're good. Broke Julian's heart a little bit too. Oh, it totally broke his heart. He yeah. it, it, the moment when he found out that 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 Jadzia liked to go a little harder than maybe he was capable of. Yeah. Of like, because the thing is, is like she's not the only one who was hurt. Like, oh no! And it takes a lot to hurt a Klingon. Though we know, and we talked about this last time, we were talking about your love, Kalar. That's what he wants. He wants a woman. He wants a woman who can kick his ass in every way of the words, kick his ass. Like that's. I don't see anything wrong with that. Not a so damn does, thing it, wrong with it. That was a very smart move by uh, the writers of Deep Space Nine, I think, to make Kalar, to make Jadzia almost like the 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 person who follows in Kalar's footsteps because it was set up. It was already set up for him to want a woman like that. The only one that didn't make any sense with work was Deanna Troy. Like, 
that made no sense at all. Yeah, I you're right. It didn't make any sense. I mean, I guess, you know, you have this they've been together like on the ship and there there was a there was a lot of growth that he had shown because of her, but it it didn't seem like she, delicate like she seemed too delicate to yeah. be Worf's mate right and again in every sense of the word right like and and we even we hear her when he's with when he's with Jadzia we hear about this thing where he had had really hurt one of his classmates when he was a kid and so you know why it would scare him to be with with humans that doesn't that doesn't work with being with Deanna, not to mention Deanna and Riker, that just, I was so glad when on Picard and we see their happy little world and all of that, you know, like that's how it should be. Yes. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. That, that, that episode that you're talking about of DS9, that had Vanessa Williams on it. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. You I okay? was super happy to see her. I'm, I'm waving at the computer screen right now to, to fan, <laughs> fan Lawrence off. Uh, she is very, a beautiful woman. God yeah. bless. In, in in any universe, she is a beautiful woman, and it's like, oh yeah, another one of those like cool cameos that would pop up on uh, in the Star Trek family, where you'd be like, that's so dope that you have. It's a shame she didn't bring Rick Fox with her because then there would have been two Lakers on Star Trek. That's right, and he's uh, also beautiful. Oh, he is a gorgeous man. It's ridiculous. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so is there any Star Trek? Oh, wait, do we need to talk about the Tasha Yar data sex? Yes, we do. Because it was so weird. I mean, I understand why in the very second episode, why they did a very clear reference to the to the original series. I get it. And like, I, you know, and it, I mean, it was like basically a rewrite of that episode but when everybody is un is is healthy and fine again and they all understand oh we did some crazy shit when we were on whatever was happening that then she had to go do the it never happened like data could have been like you're right it didn't bitch what like come on and he could have like, been like no you came on to me like right? you wanted all of this you know you know i'm a robot right so right. like I was I was holding back. It was you that got in the weird outfit with the the curl in your forehead. She had like, the she had the Superman curl. She had the Superman curl and then an outfit that was like covered her boobs and her lady parts and that was it. It was and, it yeah. was gravity defying that outfit it, that they put her in. It truly was. And I mean it and and God bless Denise Crosby, she looked gorgeous in it. But I forgot who who was it that Data said that he had been intimate with Tasha Yar too. It wasn't her sister. No, it was when he, uh, when he, he was Professor Maddox. When yes. And they were doing the uh, hearing about if Data is if Data has rights, and so he had a he had like a hollow projection thing, I guess picture frames of the future um, of Tasha Yar, and so Picard asked why. You know why is why is that? Um, do you have that? And then that's because me and Tasha used to get our freak on. That's why. 
I mean, if he was fully functional in every way, I don't believe that it ended with Tasha Yar. Come on. Only a thousand people on that ship. Come on. Maybe he tried multiple things out. You never know. You know, you know, like, I mean, and and there was no, there was no uh, clear thing about if he was hetero, pan, whatever. We don't know. And who cares? No. That's much more. um, Although I give, I give Star Trek credit. Like they, they explored a lot of that stuff. Like they, they did a, after Gene Roddenberry died. Correct. It was all after Gene Roddenberry died. Um, but even like with like with Jadzia, when when her old wife comes back, I thought that they handled that really, really well. And I there are times when I see like like on Tumblr or whatever, like I would see a younger Star Trek fan complain about the lack of LGBT relationships on Star Trek. And it like I, it's so hard to say to them like there were no LGBT relationships on TV in the '90s. There were none. It was like there was Roseanne got kissed, and then like Ellen came out, but that was it. So Star Trek even doing that much was a big deal. So I, I hope I hope that when younger fans go back and watch it, they understand it within its time and place and realize that like no, it was a big deal that they that they had two women kiss. And that it wasn't just like a kiss, haha, for fun. It was a kiss of a relationship, you know. And and Jadzia willing to risk it all, like right. saying, "Yeah, I'm gonna break these trill rules that we used to ha- that we have, and I am going to leave this life because I want to be with you." Right. And, and, and that's a heartbreaking episode. It really, it really is because you you just see that connection between them. And you're you're like you want that for Jadzia, you want that bit of happiness. So yeah, that is a that is a sad one to watch. But they do also on even on TNG, like they explore the the idea of non gender, like again yeah. with Riker the sex whore, um, where where he is like that episode too, where where you have a a race of people that don't have gender. Right. Which is, and it's, it is a very difficult thing for, like, I'm glad that they showed that poker game where they're all saying like the hard time they're having just keep kind of understanding what it is. And I think still, I mean, that's still something that we're dealing with now, like with non-binary, with trans people that they, that there are people that just don't get it and, or don't want to get it. And so you see that played out in Star Trek and you, I, I mean, I think at the time it was, a clear allusion to just gay relationships and that like of how they, you know, I think that just like the half black, half white face um, episode in the sixties. But I, I think that they did a good job of saying like, Hey, we're going to put this thing in outer space and make it weird, but you're going to have to feel something and talk about it. All right. I think that's a good place for us to, to, to (laughs) stop. Um, And but I, I, I want to. Are we going to title this one the sex episode? Yeah. I. What do you, yeah. what do you think? I was thinking like, um, Star Trek. You know, Maggie and Lawrence talk Star Trek sex. <laughs> I think we'll get a lot of downloads. All right, good. Then that's right. Then that's what we shall end up calling <laughs> this episode. 
Oh my God. We still need a name. Um, we, there, yeah. there were some suggestions. Let me, you know what? I'll just go through the emails now. And if you want to email us, house of L podcast at gmail.com, you could send us your suggestions on what you think that this should be. I, someone has suggested in, it's a already a show, but someone has suggested lower decks. Um, yeah, I, that's a great one, but the, Right, you don't want to get yeah, confused. Yeah, both a show and an episode. So, so someone said like Shuttle Bay Four or something like that. We should we should call it. Uh, let's see, wait, I gotta go back in here. I don't I don't want to impugn anybody's ideas, but what you got? You got something? Oh no, I don't have anything. I just I, the Shuttle Bay Four didn't do much for me. That's yeah. it. Yeah, I have no ideas. None. Basically. I know. I wish I did. I'm really good at naming things for other people. I don't know why I can't come up with a good one for us. Okay, so let's see. Here's some suggestions. Um, Geek Space Nine. Ooh. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. I like that. All right. Because that also gives us room to talk about non-Star Trek geekiness, too. Oh, you're right. You have just got like you got me watching a Twilight Zone episode the other night, and then I ended up watching the whole marathon, and I could not stop. I could, I could not stop watching it. It's so good, like it's ridiculous how good it is. And the the stuff that Rod Serling was doing, like he was so far ahead. Like it, it it's so crazy that you're talking about a TV show that was sixty years ago, and some of the stuff that they were talking about is still relevant right now. Right. Right. And it and just like like how the the one episode that stuck out, stuck out that night that I watched was um five people looking for an exit. And that it was like these that it was like a uh, army person and a guy in a kilt and, and a, a guy and and, it, and a ballerina and they were all trying to fit they could they were in the cylindrical room and they couldn't figure out how to get out of the room and what the room was was a like toy donation bin and they were all toys and the one of them got out and was out in the snow oh like where how do you how do you look at a toy donation bin and be like sci-fi episode right but you did because that's how serling got down okay what do you think about this level four diagnostic eh, maybe i like geek space nine it's gonna be hard to beat geek, geek space nine boldly going um the tachyon beam is also a suggestion. I like us. the tachyon beam. I the boldly going. I think I think is used too often. Yeah, like I that's could, my friend's yoga company. Her name it, it's boldly going yoga. I could I I don't even have to be talked into Geek Space Nine. Yeah, I like Geek Space Nine. Whoever right. gave us Geek Space Nine. All right, we got a name. We got a name Geek now. Geek Space Nine. Geek Space Nine. This was Ken A who who made this suggestion, and it's a Thank really you, good Ken. one, Ken. We appreciate you listening. So, I dig that. That's the quality stuff in there. So, th- we have christened the Geek Space Nine for this yeah, episode. If I had champagne, I would like throw it over my computer, but then that would break my computer. Yeah, so. and we can't have that. Um, no. But yes, this episode will be about creepy Jordy sex, and uh, <laughs> people will will enjoy it. All right, Maggie, I appreciate you. I appreciate you, too. Thank you.
appreciate you. This was really, really fun. And I can't wait to do it again. Me too. On the next episode of Geek Space Nine. Geek Space Nine, man. Yeah. Geek Space Nine forever, I think. I'm already thinking of a t-shirt design. We should sell them. Yeah. Make money. At least wear them. Definitely wear them, but maybe sell them. Yeah, Hmm. maybe. Hmm. We'll think about it. Editor's note. Maggie and I thought that we had this incredible idea of Geek Space Nine from one of our listeners. Shout out to Ken who sent that in. And then Maggie went to go look to see if the Twitter was available. And we found out that there was already a Star Trek podcast called Geek Space Nine. Now, they haven't posted anything since July. So we were thinking that we would just keep rolling with it anyway. But I threw out the blood wine as in whining podcast and i think that's what we're going to roll with i think that that's as long as there are no further problems i think that's what maggie and i are going to roll with on these particular episodes i'd love talking with her she's so much fun so much fun if you would like to email us house of l podcast at gmail.com is the way that you can do it. If you thought that Jordy was creepy too, we'd love to hear from you. It's funny, the most emails that the podcast have gotten have been from these Star Trek episodes, which I think is interesting. But if you've got something you want to say, whether it's about this or other episodes, if you want to talk about Queen's Gambit with me or some of the interviews uh, I've done, Podcast at gmail.com. Maggie and I both thank you so much for listening. We will talk with you next time. Kopla! Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.